And good morning, everyone, or good afternoon, or good evening, depending upon where you are on this rotating globe. Welcome to another edition of The Other Side of Midnight, that magical time between dusk and dawn when we discuss almost anything. And tonight, we're going to be talking, among a lot of other things, about the, quoting Dr. Gary Nolan, the 100% probability that aliens, ETs, are living among us. Now, I don't know any scientists who would ever, ever say 100%. So, as we go through this evening and then this morning, uh, we're going to have a couple of takes on this um, as to where we are, what it means, why Nolan is so certain, and then... uh, uh, one of my guests is going to bring up some other correspondents and reporters and producers who have looked at the field and looked at the evidence and have come to uh, very similar conclusions, but that's going to be in a little while. Before we get going, I want to you know, hit some news items that are of relevance to tonight, starting with Happy Memorial Day. We've got about uh, two hours left here in the Land of Enchantment. Uh, if you want to go to the other side of midnight, if you're brand new to the um, uh, facts of how we work the show here, you click on tonight's banner, which says with that very provocative image of Clark Kent, um, 2023 Disclosure Revelations, uh, click on that. That will take you to the guest page. And then under there, you'll see a couple of lines. One says to listen to the show. Under that, it says guest page, and under that, it says fast links to items. Click on my name. That will take you to the radio with pictures section of the other side of midnight. And my items, and obviously number one, is what I'm referring to. This is a very good backgrounder by USA Today on the history and evolution of Memorial Day. Memorial Day used to be Decoration Day which was kind of connected to the military and bunting and flags and all that. Then in 71, the Congress uh, turned it into Memorial Day, and we have been celebrating all the way back to the beginning, of course, of the Republic, all the men and women who have died in service to the concept of freedom. And uh, if I may quote a line from one of our sub-themes tonight, truth, justice, and the American way. Which, by the way, in that whole Superman opening monologue, it did come from an observation of the military that was inserted. And that's a little um, kind of tidbit that uh, we'll talk about later this morning. So, happy Memorial Day to everyone. Uh, It's much more than a holiday, which technically is Monday. It is a celebration and, and in service to the literally millions of men and women who have died to preserve this extraordinary experiment, which has never had more perils except maybe when the concept of Decoration Day or Memorial Day was born way back in the Civil War. Uh, Since then, this republic is facing extraordinary challenges, and as many uh, news anchors are saying these days, you know, welcome to these extraordinary times. And they are indeed extraordinary, not the least of which is for 
what we're going to talk about in the next couple, three hours tonight, which is this developing process, this developing concept of disclosure, which, of course, could cover a multitude of sins. But as we're using it tonight, and most people are using it these days, disclosure of all the things that government knows about the extraterrestrial interaction with the human species that for the last 70 plus years, they just haven't gotten around to telling us about. Well, tonight, of course, we're going to be dealing with where we are in this moving target in a very real sense uh, live uh, tonight. But first of all, in my Radio with Pictures section, item number two, you know, when you're looking at the status of democracies and republics and and, um, you know, representative government. One of the most um, thorny, if I can use that term, has been Turkey. Well, Turkey held a couple of weeks ago an election, and Erdogan came in neck and neck. He did not get 50%, which, of course, under Turkish law, they have to have in order for there to be a duly elected president. So they went into a runoff. Now, this, of course, I believe is Turkey's first presidential runoff. And with little surprise, um, Erdogan, the current president of uh, Turkey, wins in the runoff. Whether he's going to govern the same as he has governed over the last 30-some years, was it, 20, 28, almost 30 years, uh, we shall see. But he did win the Turkish runoff election and so we can chalk that one off the board and look back to the domestic issues of the United States. As you know, or you may not know, but maybe you've heard somewhat distantly about, um, tonight appears to have been uh, a, a major turning point in the so-called debt ceiling crisis, which has been ongoing now ever since it was established decades ago, as a kind of a fifth wheel. I mean, technically speaking, there should not be a debt ceiling. That was an act of Congress. But it's superseding the two other acts of Congress, which, in fact, go into shaping the annual fiscal year budget of the United States. And we've done many, we've done at least two or three shows on this. We may do a uh, uh, an update next weekend, next Saturday, probably, given that the Treasury has now told us that they have enough money in case the Republicans in the House and the Senate cannot agree on the deal that the President and the Speaker of the House reached this afternoon to, uh, you know, proceed with a debt ceiling and then with the uh, 2025 budget. We will see. If there is news, it will come out in the next week. Uh, we have enough money in the Treasury, according to Janet Yellen, to last until about January 5th, which is no different than having a bank account and having creditors. And you look in your bank account and there's not enough liquidity, enough cash to pay everybody. Uh, but you could pay somebody. But then that gets us into a legal thicket because the Congress has specifically forbidden the executive branch for decades now from exercising what's called a um, uh, mine item veto where the president and the cabinet get to decide which debts get paid and which laws of Congress 
i.e. bills are pursued, et cetera, et cetera. So if, if this deal does not go through, if the uh, uh, Speaker of the House can't muster enough votes between Republicans and Democrats to put it over the top, we will be in real, real, real hurt. And nowhere have I seen what I wish I could have seen in the last couple of weeks, which is a careful recitation of the world of hurt we would be in, both domestically and internationally, if the United States, for the first time in almost a quarter of a uh, millennium, were to welch on its debt. That is, after we've spent the money, we turn around and refuse to authorize the payments of the duly congressionally mandated debts. Never has happened in our history, but at some point it could happen. So if the deal goes through, if McCarthy can get enough Republican votes and Democrats fill in what he can't get, then we will have foreshorn the problems for another two years. And the next debt ceiling crisis will fall after the next election. And hopefully after the next election, the whole idea of a debt ceiling, which we're one of only two countries on the whole planet. There's us and guess what? Finland, that's also done this cockamamie thing. In other words, authorizing money, appropriating money is not enough. You have to have a third door to go through to basically authorize paying the money that you spend, which, of course, is nuts. Anyway, moving on. Item number four. Tonight, this is kind of getting into the wheelhouse. This is from uh, Hoodline, which is a new service, which has uh, done a good job on kind of covering this. Um, Dr. Gary Nolan, as I said earlier, who is a professor at Stanford of immunology and and uh, works is uh, attached to the Department of Medicine and Pathology, based on evidence he has seen, uh, is saying rather forthrightly that aliens are walking among us. Now, if that's true, given everybody's kind of predilection to think of aliens as little guys with big heads and big eyes, how could how could aliens be walking among us if in fact they are passing as humans? Well, it's very, very simple. They are part of, in the Hoagland model, the extended human family and the interactions and the going undercover and all of this. And Nolan says for a very long time um, is, is basically because they fit in perfectly because they are us. Just in the Hoagland model, cousins kind of once removed or maybe a little more distant removed, but they can, I, I remember living in Berkeley when I would walk down the street to the stores or to the supermarket or wherever, and there was this interesting couple. I could have sworn that they were not exactly of this earth. If any two people, and they were they were together, they, they were a man and woman, they were together, they wore um, basically twin clothing even though they were of different sexes. And I could swear that if anybody fit the kind of superficial profile of visitors, you know, family kind of on a tourist jaunt, they did. But they lived and walked around in Berkeley for years. So obviously, if I'm right, 
they would have fit into Gary Nolan's profile. We will be discussing all of this tonight, up to and including where we currently are in this very tumultuous and uh, contentious uh, discussion around disclosure, where we are, who's in, who's out, what's going on, uh, what we might expect next. Are there hearings now that we've got the death ceiling, hopefully behind us, but don't cross your chickens until they're hatched, mixing our metaphors madly. Um, we may get a chance to actually focus on more interesting and more important things, certainly to the long-range um, future of the United States as well as the planet. My first guest, therefore, is doc uh, Dr. Well, I'll give you a doctorate. Come on, Stephen. Stephen Bassett is a political activist, disclosure advocate, and the executive director of the Paradigm Research Group, founded back in 1996 to end the government-imposed embargo on the truth behind extraterrestrial-related phenomena. And I think that covers ruins and other planets. Right, Stephen? Stephen has spoken to audiences around the world about the implications of disclosure, which he terms the formal confirmation by heads of state of an extraterrestrial presence currently engaging the human species. Stephen has lectured around the world on the political implications of this phenomenon, including the conversion of the Kerm UFO to UAP, and of course the ever-present ET, which does stand for extraterrestrials, and he's given over 1,200 radio and television interviews. I know that's a lot of work. PRG's advocacy work has been extensively covered by the national and the international press, including being featured on CNN, Fox News, MSNBC, The Washington Post, and, of course, The New York Times. So without further ado, Stephen, welcome back to The Other Side of Midnight. Hi, Richard. Good to be with you. <laughs> Can you be briefer? <laughs> How long have we known each other? 30 years? 40 years? We first met in 1995 at a conference in Los Angeles, which I think was held at the LAX Hilton, but it might have been another hotel. Hmm. I probably the Fall of 95. Yeah. Wow. That's a long time. That's a very long time. Uh, my other guest who will be joining us later this morning is Robert Morningstar, who is a self-styled civilian intelligence analyst. He's certainly an investigative journalist and a psychotherapist currently living in Washington, in Washington, in New York City. He's a specialist in photo interpretation, geometric analysis, and computer imaging. And he's been on countless times. He's also an expert in Chinese, the language, the history, and martial arts, etc., uh, etc. Et oh, did I mention that he's a licensed private pilot, an instrument ground instructor, and has studied the paranormal and UFO field for over 50 years and published many, many research articles, almost countless articles, on the Internet exposing the government cover-up and deceptions applied to both that and the JFK assassination, which is one of his specialties of research. And he will be joining us later, unless Stephen says something egregious that Robert wants to, uh, uh, you know, add something to, in which case he will break in. So, back to Stephen. 
Stephen, now that the debt thing is maybe in the rearview mirror, can we focus again on what's going on in Washington vis-a-vis the political process of getting finally, after decade and decade and decade, to the truth on the sticky subject of UFOs slash UAPs slash ETs? <clears throat> the, the process is moving forward in Washington, D.C., uh, pretty much at a pace I'm comfortable with. It's been steady. It's been relentless. Uh, it's somewhat subject to congressional schedules. But, of course, the program set up at uh, DOD, uh, Arrow, All Domain Anomaly Resolution Office, which I, I've come to like. I like that acronym and I, I like the name. And it's and it's the appropriate name. It actually is the one that fits. Um, continues unabated. They just announced a couple of days ago that they are going to be hiring a deputy director for Dr. Sean Kilpatrick, Kirkpatrick rather, um, which again is in line with what they're supposed to do. So is Kirkpatrick the head of the uh, so-called anomaly office? Yeah, he's the head of Arrow, which is a cross-agency group. Working group, I like to say, they'll have a core group of uh, full-time people working out of an office in the DoD. It may not be large; it could be twenty, twenty-five. Yeah, I heard but about the twenty-five. People, yeah, the number of people that will be how uh, part of it uh, as as a, a part-time way uh, throughout the government across many agencies and even the services will be substantial. Meaning they have a job, but in addition to that, they also have uh, work that they're doing with respect to Arrow, cross-agency, which way it should be. And um, that's moving forward. Uh, and, of course, uh, NASA uh, has been uh, adjusting to all of this and doing the right things as well. And, in fact, I have heard in a few nothing days, at NASA. Not even from the folks I know, it's like a big black ball has closed around them and they're conducting their research in, in – extreme secrecy for a NASA working group. They set up they they, they set up for the first time ever a uh, an entity within that and within NASA to quote address the phenomena uh, and so forth. Exactly how much they intended to do, I don't know. Uh, I, I, all of this is pretty much for show, as I've said many times. It's it's not that NASA didn't know doesn't know there's an ET presence people in NASA. There are people within NASA that have always known that. But they need to do – this is all part of the disclosure uh, process that's underway leading to uh, a confirmation event and NASA is playing its role. It's doing all the right things because this is very important. And and as of in three days, they're holding a, uh, a four-hour public meeting. It starts at 10.30 a.m. Eastern time, goes to 2.30. They will report on what – they have been learning from studying various reports and what have you is in, in their uh, arena. And then they're going to hold a two-hour media teleconference afterwards and take a lot of questions. Hmm. Uh, that's – some people – I'm sure there are people out there that think, well, that happens all the time, doesn't it? I mean this is NASA and they, they should be – Well, be they hold these interested. things on many different subjects. But I guarantee you this is the first one NASA's ever held on UFOs. Sure. Absolutely. And, and Bill Nelson has made all the right statements. NASA is positioning itself well, public relations-wise, to deal with what is coming. 
And of course, what is coming is we're going to have uh, the president confirming the ET presence. I hope this summer, and certainly possible. And uh, well, and, wait, 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 and, wait. But in other shows, you said that the sequence is hearings, Senate or House. Yeah, and yeah. then the White House. Well, the summer lasts till September, as far as I'm concerned, and we could have hearings in any day. They, they've done more than enough to prepare for hearings. They could hold it at any time. It's just a matter of of uh, what's going on. I think the debt ceiling, certainly, they were not going to initiate a hearing no, of course not. Uh, on this subject in a, in a major committee like the Senate Intel while the debt ceiling was being negotiated. Now that's done. So the, the door is opening wider and wider. And just to give you a sense uh, of this, uh, another, another take on it, if the president were to confirm the extraterrestrial presence, say, on July 8, which is disclosure, World Disclosure Day, which I, really? I set up about. Okay. I don't know. Uh, it hasn't really caught on, but I, I set it up about 15 years ago. Um, there will be immediate hearings called within days, certainly a week, uh, and a whole lot of people are going to be coming up on the Hill. Yeah, both in the, the House Congress and the Senate. Because, of course, even the Senate is controlled by the Democrats and the House by the Republicans – even if it wasn't, but it is. So you're going to have both parties, you know, doing due diligence in committees, going through the motions of finding out what's been going on, which, of course, they already know behind the scenes. Yeah, sure. But all the committees are about equal, Democrats and Republicans. And uh, But in the House, the, uh, Democrat, the Republicans are chairing the committees. But how many hearings and where what is less important that there's going to be hearings and, and the most important well, wait, 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 are going wait, to be you, in front you, of you say it's less important i would think the american people when they hear these witnesses like the hearings that you set up you know the the uh, the simulation hearings at the national press club you know like a decade ago that was very impressive because it got unvarnished testimony to audiences that had never read or heard any of this stuff Particularly the press. It helped. If if the it, hearings it, it are going to be part of the process, they should be substantive hearings, and they should put real witnesses who have amazing stories, who are very credible, in front of the American people, and that's how this has to be sold. Like with anything else, the politics of disclosure have to be politicized, right? Properly. The, the whole process is political. Uh, that's fine. The hearings are going to be extremely substantive. They're going to be military witnesses. Many have already been interviewed. And the point I'm trying to make is that very shortly after the president is able to finally confirm this is non-human technology, non-human presence, there's going to be a lot of hearings and a lot of people be heading up the hill to go under oath to discuss the matter. One of those is going to be Bill Nelson. And when former Senator Nelson, former astronaut Nelson, sits down, takes the oath, very soon after he sits down, one of the members of the committee is going to ask him this question. Uh, Administrator, Director Nelson, when did you personally know that this phenomenon was real and non-human? <laughs> and the answer is going to be 1968, 70. Uh, next question. Has Have people in NASA known that this is a non-human technology? The answer is yes. Why didn't NASA address it publicly? It could not. It was not in its mandate and it was not – it was against the law. It's a national security matter. 
We were not allowed to go there. Uh, now, these are tough questions. And what NASA is doing is trying to do all the right things so when those questions finally get asked, people are going to be understanding. And I assure you, Bill Nelson, being the administrator of NASA, is not an accident. He is about the perfect person you want in that chair to be answering those questions. Let me, let me stop you and there. And they will come. Because two right. years ago, when Biden appointed Nelson, I said exactly the same thing. And I've been watching Senator William Nelson with a, with a microscope, and I have not seen him make a misstep on several complicated issues. He is the he really is. I totally agree. The perfect person to be in that chair when NASA is suddenly under this extraordinary because most people think of NASA as the government's agency to look for life beyond the Earth. That's their raison d'etre. So no, for him, that's the SETI program. No, that's uh, NASA. NASA's job is to go into space, right? Go back and it read really the charter. It really talks about search for extraterrestrial intelligence. It does not talk about that. Yes, it does. Uh, it's a, it's it about does. going into space, doing the technology, getting to Mars, getting to the moon, and other things. SETI is the one that's searching for signals in the sky. You're forgetting NASA's Brookings. NASA never said we got to go to Mars you're because there may be light, and we may there may be a civilization that we're going to find it. You're forgetting <clears throat> Brookings, which was authored under NASA. Back in 1959, and the recommendations yeah. of a NASA panel, the Brookings, you know, panel, was that extraterrestrial life, intelligent life, would be discovered—not could be, not might be, but would be discovered—in within 20 years of that 1959 date. So, in the public mind, if they think about this at the level of any depth, they're thinking NASA. Finding aliens, that's part of their charter. They can think that, but it's not. But pop uh, perception, as we've just seen in this whole debt ceiling idiocy, is 99.99% of reality. So Bill Nelson <clears throat> is going to get asked those questions, and he damn well better have a good answer. And the national security part, referring back to the charter, is perfect because legally, technically, under the law, NASA could say nothing unless the DOD and the security apparatus, you know, um, concurred. Correct. So, so the, the only good answer that uh, former Senator Nelson can give is the truth, and he's going to. You're going to see a whole lot of truth telling, and these are going to be tough truths, and they're going to be tough question answers. But the whole process we're going through is to mitigate that. Because if they had to ask those questions without all of what is preceded, the legislation, the setting up of entities, then the restructuring of those entities, the expansion of those entities, responding to, to queries from Congress, uh, releasing documents, which they have been doing. They've been preparing for this for a long time. A lot of people don't know, most, most Americans don't know, that there is a huge trove of documents related to UAP. <laughs> on the FBI website and the CIA website. They were released years ago. Uh, not a big deal. The researchers kind of know it. They may go browsing, but they don't, they don't tout it, but they did it. And so the CIA director will be able to point out when asked that question, Director CIA, did the CIA know that this phenomenon was non-human uh, uh, before last year? Uh, yes. Uh, how far back? 
1940s after it was formed. Okay. And so, yeah, and you didn't, you obviously couldn't tell us, of course not, national security, but we have done what we could. And we have released a lot of documents related to this. You can find them on our website. Do you see where I'm getting here? Yeah. This is about public relations. It's not about discovering anything. No, of course. And that's okay. all right. We are I'm at perfectly the, fine with it. We are at the bottom of the hour. My guest this morning is Stephen Bassett for the first, uh, oh, hour, hour and a half, however long he wants to stay with us. And we've got a lot to cover in terms of the real world. And then I'm going to kind of move the conversation into the what if. Because part of the questions that uh, Bill Nelson may get asked, given Dr. Nolan's very out there public stance, may be in fact, uh, Mr. Administrator, do you believe, as Dr. Nolan does, that aliens are living among us now? I wonder what his answer to that one will be. You're on the other side of midnight. My name is Richard C. Hoagland. We shall return. And welcome back, everyone, on this Sunday night edition of The Other Side of Midnight for May 28th, 2023, coming up on the summer solstice in less than a month. By the way, probably next weekend when we do another um, uh, moon show, maybe, because everything is in flux right now, I've been running a kind of a quiet background, hyperdimensional torsion field physics experiment and it's within a month 
within 30 days of the Earth aligning with the summer solstice, it's begun acting very, very, very weird. I mean, really weird. It's kind of like a poor man's Accutron, and there's no electricity involved. It's just watching inertia and angular momentum and that kind of stuff. So what I might do next weekend is I might actually call for some volunteers to set up equivalent experiments around the country, even around the world, and see if we all get the same results at the same time. Uh, stay tuned for more on that. Anyway, back to my guest of the morning, Mr. Bassett. Yes, sir. Okay, so we were at where we're talking about Nelson and the fact that he's going to be answering a lot of very interesting questions. How much do you think he can actually tell the truth without looking like, like NASA's been basically taking the uh, American taxpayer to the cleaners for decades? And the astronaut. Again, I wouldn't say that NASA is taking the American taxpayers to the cleaners. NASA was doing its job under the Space Act as the civilian space agency. Now, if its mandate had been to search out and find extraterrestrial life like Star Trek, then it would have uh, been not doing its mandate. But it actually did its job. But that job was limited by the 19 by the 1958 Space Act. And NASA had to remain completely out of this issue, which is one of the reasons that SETI was created in the first place. SETI was created or the SETI concept emerged at exactly the same time as the Space Act. And so SETI was to be the buffer. Meaning well, wait, wait, wait. SETI we was initially set up under NASA and then because of Proxmire, who basically gutted the budget, they had to go private and they found private billionaires, Paul Allen and few others, and they've, they've been a parallel effort, but initially SETI itself was technically a NASA program to look it for aliens. It was funded through NASA funds. Yeah, well, that's how NASA it works. Clearly its own entity. No, 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 no. Put, never, it, never, it put, never, never, never. It was part of the NASA bureaucracy. Remember, I used to work at NASA, and then it got moved out because of Proxmire, but it started out as a NASA program to look for radio signals from aliens, at least briefly, maybe a, a year or so. I forget the actual time frame. However long it – whatever its early incarnation uh, within NASA, that doesn't change the point that I'm making, that it was set up to be the focus for that component of people's interest in space. And that component had no chance of succeeding. They weren't going to find signals, almost zero chance. And they already knew their ETs here. But okay, so SETI eventually, not surprisingly, moves out of NASA because as years go by, it becomes increasingly awkward as people keep seeing things all around the world and they're wondering, well, why is it NASA maybe doing more than SETI? SETI becomes its own thing and it comes and goes and whatever and keeps searching for signals, which apparently still never gotten. So it's that buffer. Anyway, NASA was doing its job. All right. Um, and uh, – because you you took me, I had a strain of thought going there, and I kind of lost it for a second. Um, NASA's yeah. doing its job. Yeah, again. Right. See, see, politics is so disorganized that most people in the country think of NASA as the ET agency, that they're the tip of the spear. They're out there. If there's anybody out there, well, they will find them first. 
yeah, and they're wrong. They just flat out. One of the but reasons politics they're wrong is, is the government on, doesn't correct them. Politics the is based on wrong things. Stephen, politics is based on wrong assumptions all the time. I'm uh, just again, wondering again. how the people are going to respond, and maybe you can't answer this. Well, if I'm if I'm if I was asked that question, you know, if I was asked that question, if I was in a hearing, I'd say it wasn't. NASA was not tasked to do that and didn't do it. All right. It could have been tasked to do that if if if, if Truman had held a uh, held some hearings in 1948 uh, after after not telling Roger Ramey to reverse the story that had been issued by by the base. Uh, then when NASA finally got set up, one of its chief jobs would have been connected to the ET presence. Uh, uh, who knows? The, the 20th century could have gone a lot of different ways. What we do know is that every entity of the government, CIA, NASA, Air Force, Navy, Army, National Science Foundation, every single element of our government with any direct or even indirect connection to the matter of an ET presence – was under embargo and could not go there, period. And they successfully kept all of that relatively in place for now 76 years. And now it's going to come apart. And when it does, there are going to be a lot of questions about every single entity of government. What did you know? When did you know? And why didn't you do something about it? Why didn't you say something? Uh, a lot of the people that, that were at the beginning of this are, of course, all gone now. Some of the new ones can plead, look, I, I've just been on board for a few years, whatever. The point is, is that the people are going to ask these questions. And this process is underway. It's going to make it easier to answer those questions, right? And, 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 and hopefully we can move past what will be an awkward moment. But most of that awkwardness is going to be amongst the baby boom and gen, 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 uh, what's it, gen Ys, whatever the hell they were. My age and the next group. The millennials will not care one iota. The millennials will only be interested in what have you got? What's going on? Tell us. This is incredible. And they could care one iota about what the government did between 1947 and 2017. And so that's the, that's the future of the country. They're going to be perfectly happy. I'm going to be happy too, even though I do know the history of this and mm. there's a lot of things about it that irritate me. But that's the nature. History moves forward, not backwards. And so we have to prepare for disclosure as, a, as the citizens and how we're going to deal with it and react to it, what we're going to do afterwards. And all of these entities have to prepare as well. The Congress, the Department of Defense, NASA, the, uh, the, and the Air Force, which really needs to start getting, getting into play here pretty soon. It's dragging its feet, God bless it, um, uh, and so forth. They've got to be involved in this. And the most important probably involvement is the Congress. The Congress, the elected representatives, and they can't be seen as being surprised by all this or, oh, I had no idea. So they've been brought on board. They've been briefed. They're being brought up to speed and not surprisingly, and they have the perfect right. They're starting to say things that are, how would you say, aggressive. Such and the a, leading such member a. of Congress that's doing that is Tim Burchett. So oh. Tim Burchett is going on in front of cameras and, and microphones every couple of weeks and saying there's extraterrestrials here. Is and this is this a congressman in Congress. from Indiana? I think Tennessee. Tennessee. He's still in Congress, and he's getting great press. And he now he's now he's now he's being brought in on the news programs to talk about a lot of different things. In other words, it's the best thing that ever happened to Tim Burchett. <laughs> Expect a few more members of Congress to do this, 
uh, exactly how many I don't know. Most of them, I think, understand the process that's going away and they're, step, they're just going to stay back, learn, be briefed, whatever they want to tell us. A lot of them are in committees or just not particularly relevant. Well, wait, wait, wait. Is, could, could, could Burchette be the kind of stalking horse, the designated hitter for the folks behind the scenes that have to have somebody out front raising the issues, but not them? In other words, they've all said, hey, Tim, you, you're into this stuff. You be the guy. No. I, I don't think that would that would have been a very unwise thing to do. Uh, they didn't need to do that. Somebody was going to play that role. He's not the only one. Um, again, let, let's, let me just uh, remind people. In 2008, in a press conference after my ex-conference in Washington, D.C., uh, we always held a press conference at the National Press Club afterwards. And in that one, uh, Edgar Mitchell, Dr. Edgar Mitchell, astronaut, Apollo astronaut, stood in front of the CNN cameras and others and basically said, there's extraterrestrials here. All right. And then, let's see, um, in 2016, uh, in 60 Minutes, Robert Bigelow, a very wealthy man, some say he had a billion dollars at one time, NASA contractor, um, he went on 60 Minutes and said, there's extraterrestrials here. And then, uh, a while back, Tim Burchett started doing that saying there's extraterrestrials here. And then Gary Nolan did it about a week and a half ago. Now, that's when things uh, I think are inter- – that, that, there's an aspect to that that's, that must be discussed. And, and I think a lot of your listeners don't know this. That's why you're here. <laughs> but uh, in 2017, the To the Stars Academy of Arts and Sciences announces itself, goes public, sets up a website, and gives, an, it gives a, uh, a video a briefing or launching rather. And there were 10 people involved. I say 10 the, the 10 government and military intelligence complex type people. And of course there was a there was a head of that group uh, sort of the, the leader uh, Tom DeLong. But the 10 people that are the resumes in that group uh, three of them went on and I think that was intentional to spearhead the process that we're, we're underway right now. The other seven kind of stayed back. It's not that they were completely silent, but overall, they kind of stayed back. You heard from them from time to time. Uh, CIA, Jim Semivan, Steve Justice of Lockheed, uh, Hal Putoff. These individuals stayed in the background. But three people moved forward, and those three people have been – it was the intention all along that somebody, and in this case, these three people, were going to be the ones that were going to spearhead this process to get it where it was going, and that was disclosure. That's why they came out in the first place. Three of them. Elizondo, Luis Elizondo, is the one that was dealing mostly military intelligence. Christopher Mellon was handling the politics, and Gary Nolan, science. Elizondo was much more prominent initially. Mellon then became much more active, and then recently Nolan has gotten much more active. And so when Nolan goes on uh, that talk show in New York and says there's extraterrestrials here, and by the way, he didn't say they're walking amongst us. He said they're here and they've been here, which means that for a long now, time, and they were engaging us a long time ago. Does that mean they've been living here all along? No, right? People visit Hawaii all the time. It doesn't mean they're necessarily living there, but they visit. They come, they go. They may have bases. Not quite the same thing as living amongst us. Uh, now, he's not trying to make those distinctions. He, he had one thing to do. 
on that show was say there's extraterrestrials here. The rest of it was somewhat not re necessarily relevant. Uh, he made a number of statements which are interesting, uh, which are somewhat a little off uh, because I think in a sense, he again, he's he has a fundamental thing to do, get that point out. And then the rest is kind of incidental. For instance, when he says that the reason that uh, they're able to do what they do is that they're not living, uh, Gary doesn't know that. And I'm almost certain that they are uh, because if they weren't living, they wouldn't have stuck stunk up the hospital in Roswell in 1947 as badly as they did. Machines don't stink like that. But that's OK. All that matters so wait, wait, is but back up, back extraterrestrial up. presence. The reason that Nolan was on a, a radio show or TV show in New York is there was a conference involving the Pentagon disclosure and whatever else. And then after that, he made these statements at this conference, and then he was picked up by media, and they wanted him to talk on their shows. Well, he, he made the statements that got the big news was at a, a, a at the Salt Eye Connections. Yeah, that's, that's the one. That's the conference. Okay. okay, okay. That's where he spoke. All right. Yeah. And it was not the only topic that they were dealing with, but he was asked about this, obviously. Now, what is going on So wait, wait, wait but back up, because I've not followed him in detail because i got a million other things I'm trying to follow. That's why I, yeah. I lean on you guys. Did he say specifically that the aliens were not biological entities? They were not organic beings like he, us. He 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 intimated that they're uh, they 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 uh, they are not living. That they are basically mechanical entities. And he's he's so, wrong. Whether he's deliberately so, wrong, so so he's saying they're care. androids as opposed to naturally gestated, you know, organic beings. They didn't follow up. Darn. And there might be, there might be quote manufactured bi biological entities in some of these craft, possibly. But that statement, I just wouldn't put a lot of emphasis on it. It's not the important statement, and I don't think he's in a position to know that. But nevertheless, I saw part of his testimony. All that's important. I thought part. Of, I thought part of Nolan's testimony was based on his profession as a pathologist, and he'd actually analyze brains, MRIs and X-rays and whatever, and he'd seen systematic differences, and that was the basis for his his uh, theory, his proposal. Uh, no. He has been analyzing the brains of witnesses and pilots that okay. had exposure. Okay. He's been involved or was trying to be involved in materials analysis. He's definitely got inside connections. He's a very important player, and he's a Nobel nominee. He's got gravitas. That here is what people need to take away from these things, okay? Whether they're intended or not, though I think in some of the cases they're intended, and that is this. They're closing the back door on the government with respect to the disclosure process. The government is going forward, and every step it takes, it gets more coverage, more attention, more excitement on the part of the public. I've already logged in on my website in the print media archive 5,000 articles related to this process since 2017, 5,000, and that's just higher-end media. That's not the fringe stuff. It's not website stuff, and it's not foreign, foreign press. It is English-language media, 5,000 articles, all the major – publications up and down the scale have been covering it extensively. They, they are going right into that, all right? And at some point, somebody may raise their hand in a meeting somewhere at the DOD and say, we can't take much more of this. We got to get out of here. Let's, hey, let's go, to, go out the back 
They won't see us leave, and then it'll all die down. That back door is now locked. It, you're not, there is no back door. When people like Burchette and Nolan are saying this extraterrestrials here, that makes it harder. And they're not the only ones who are going to do this. You're going to see more of this. It's, it makes it impossible for this process to suddenly be reversed and for them to just go away. They are going to have to go forward. There is no escape out the back. That's part of the reason and importance of these statements. They're simple and straightforward. There's extraterrestrials here. Don't ask me more. That's for the congressional hearings. That's for the post-disclosure world. So Gary is playing his role. And when someone was, is a Nobel so Prize So you think now, Gary's position, and I don't know him, so I shouldn't call him by his first name, but you think Dr. Nolan's position has been inspired by some kind of cohesive strategic plan as opposed to Nolan thinking it's time for me to speak up on what I think I know. I think that there is a strategic plan and it's and it's and it was uh, the one that we're most interested in begins in October of 2017. It wasn't supposed to 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 launch then. I believe it was supposed to launch in 2016. Uh, after the election, but that uh, didn't. That things went a little strange, a and funny, they ended a up funny having thing delay. happened on the way to the ballot box. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and so they launched in 2017 into a much more problematic, chaotic political situation that they expected, which made it very tough on them because these are people who had full careers in the military intelligence com complex in, in various levels, including intelligence. And even though circumstances have certainly improved historically, to come out and be part of the To the Stars Academy with all the mandates that were they were issued uh, with respect to the TTSA, TT, TTSAAS, uh, you, you, you're hanging out there. I mean you can't get fired, but opportunities may not evolve. You may have problems with colleagues. This was a very risky and brave move that they made, but they made it in a calculated way because they thought Hillary was going to win the presidency and they were going to be right there ready to help her along. Hmm. And so when she didn't win and the political situation went to hell, they were stuck in limbo. They went ahead and launched in 17 anyway, but not surprisingly. Six years later, we still haven't quite gotten the goal that I believe they intended to get. And so they have been strung out for six years and they have taken a whole lot of grief, I can tell you. In other words, if you if you got – you know, it's one thing to, to run across a, a short battlefield when they can have a, take a few shots at you. But if you've got to run 2,000 yards, you, you, you're going to have a rough time. So that's what they've had to experience. But they have weathered that storm and they clearly are winning. And this is good. And so this is how to put in context things like Gary Nolan going on and saying, there's extraterrestrials here. All right. They've been here. And what? And one of the other things that, that, that is important is that when – That, by when, the way, is not a trivial step. That's no, it's not a trivial huge. step. It, 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 but, it, 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 there, but there's all, there's a logic to all of it. When, when Edgar Mitchell makes his statement, he was hoping – that other NASA individuals, maybe even astronauts, might might be willing to follow suit, but they were not. It was 2008. wasn't going to happen. When Bigelow came forward, he probably knew that the TTSA was going to launch uh, uh, just a few months later. And so in a sense, I think he did what he did to sort of soften up the ground there so when they went forward, it make it a little bit easier. All right. Uh, and that's fine. 
Uh, Burchett is basically pursuing a political angle. He he wants to be relevant. He has a right to, to, to address this issue even though his committees are not pertinent per se. And so he's bold and he's doing it. All of this makes it easier for other people to do it. Now the situation is escalating. And so what Gary Nolan did is send a message to scientists all over the country and maybe even around the world. If you have known there's been an extraterrestrial presence since you were in grad school, maybe you could speak now. Maybe you could come <laughs> forward and say that. It's okay. And that just makes it harder on the truth embargo. It's the same thing with Burchett. He is making it easier for other politicians to do that. Right? Don't think of it as laying down cover. Think it is who is going to go first. It's always tough to be the first person. And so he has said it. Now, the, a lot of the others are staying back, not because they're afraid to follow him, but because they are involved in this political process and they don't want to undermine it. Well, the so two Mark people Warner that I can not think come of out and do what Burchette did. The two people, two congressional people I can think of who have not been shy about this are Rubio and Gillibrand. Rubio, Republican senator from Florida, Gillibrand, the Democratic senator from New York State. They crafted this um, of course, yeah. bill which mandated that annually now the uh, – was is, is it the Department of is, – is the Director of National Intelligence or is it the committee or, or the office itself in the Pentagon, Arrow, Arrow make an annual report and they just did – an annual report, and we didn't obviously get to talk about that. So Rubio and Gillibrand have been very visible in a very legal process to move disclosure along in the House and the Senate. Yeah, Rubio made the first move, right? Uh, he made the first move. Uh, it's interesting that he was the one that did that, but he was the one that did the first move, and he put some language in the COVID uh, omnibus bill in 2020, and that, that launched the, the legislative process. In a way that had never happened before, and he gets tremendous credit for that. Absolutely. Now, then the election changed hands, and Mort Warner took over, and so in the next bill, the person that kind of stepped in was Gillibrand. Now, one of the things that a lot of people may have wondered: if Rubio, when he was chairman of the Intel Committee, makes that bold move and puts that legislation in, which got him a huge amount of favorable press. Why didn't Warner, when he became the chairman, mm. be the one to put in uh, language from his side of the aisle into the next bill to share some of the glory? Because Warner, of course, and I believe Democrats. the answer to that yeah. is fairly straightforward. Okay. Warner is never going to run for president. Rubio ran for president in May again. Gillibrand had run for president in May again. Yep, and Warner felt okay. If somebody's going to do it on our side, it should be someone with presidential aspirations like Rubio. And so she ends up taking over that that uh, taking point on that and puts the language in. And but then Warner shows up as the principal architect of the language in the really significant 2023 bill. So all three of them, right? These are three of the most powerful senators in Congress. Two Dems, one Republican, have been key in the legislative process. The House has been participating. Andrew Carson held a hearing. Ruben Gallego has put some tried to put put some language in the House bill. Uh, of course, Burchett is speaking out. 
right? Mike Gallagher definitely got involved because he was on Andre Carson's committee. So these are – there is a significant number of individuals in Congress that have formally gotten involved. But it gets better because uh, about a month ago, uh, Rubio sends a – puts out a press release announcing that they had sent a letter to um, uh, uh, Kirkpatrick. In which the head of the Arrow Office in the Pentagon, yeah, in which they were they were saying, look, it's we need to uh, speed things up. Funding is not moving forward as as, mm. as appropriate as much as it should. And this letter was signed by thirteen other senators from the House Intel Committee. I believe they were all Intel Committee senators. Uh, so, again, the number of members of Congress that are publicly going out and literally connecting themselves to the process is escalating by the months. It wasn't that long ago that the only member of Congress addressing this issue was Stephen Schiff. He had a very rough time. He wasn't treated very well. He was embarrassed and a few years later died of a rather unusual squamous cancer. That was the past. Now – Members of Congress are competing with each other on this issue, and one of the reasons they're doing that is because this issue is the most nonpartisan issue on the planet. It is as safe politically as anything you can do. It allows you to be honest and straightforward without without having a political uh, position or posturing. In other words, it allows you to look good, and these people need to look good. They look bad, and and their 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 approval ratings are dropping. Congress is 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 not is not uh, thought well of. This is their way out of the hole that they've dug for themselves the last thirty or forty years, and they are starting to get that. And of course, I've been telling them that for eight or nine years, every chance I could get on these podcasts and other interviews. But hey, folks, this is your lifeline. Grab it. This is your way out of the swamp, I guess, as some people call it, where you can act like real human beings with real brains and speak the truth, and you'll find that people really like you when you do that. Hey, you can even act like <clears throat> statesmen. Yeah, that too. Well, it's planetary. So that's, that's a perspective on, on Nolan and other things that are happening, but it's, there's more happening than that. I mean it's, it's growing. It's speeding up. It, it, uh, hearings are coming at any moment. They could be announced tomorrow. wouldn't shock me at all. Okay, we are at the top of the hour. My guest for the first half of the show, give or take, is Stephen Bassett. Robert Morningstar is warming up in the uh, batting circle over there in the you know by the dugout. He's going to come at us with some really interesting, different information from a different perspective, and uh, I imagine it will be a very lively uh, discussion indeed. You are on the other side of midnight. My name is Richard C. Hoagland. Tonight we're grappling with the step-by-step, practical, down-to-earth, nitty-gritty of the politics of disclosure. We shall return. Thanks for listening to this exciting first hour. Now, the second and third hour of the show is available to Club 19.5 members only. Please support the show by subscribing to Club 19.5 and join our very interesting community. To do that, please visit the website, theothersideofmidnight.com, and click on the Join Club 19.5 link in the left-hand column. As a Club 19.5 member, you'll gain access to the rest of this show and all previous 350-plus shows 
that we have done. Now, recent Club 19.5 member archive recording have the commercials removed and the sound quality has been enhanced. You'll also receive a dedicated private podcast feed that contains these enhanced show recordings. And you'll be able to download the MP3 files directly from the archive if you prefer. As a Club 19.5 member, you'll also be the first to preview our new videos and reports. We'll be adding exclusive new features to Club 19.5 as we go forward. And boy, have we got some amazing things to tell you about in the coming weeks. So please support the show and don't miss all the exciting new things we have planned. I want to thank all our Club 19.5 members because without your guys' support, this show would not be on the air. Please help us continue growing the show by subscribing to Club 19.5 today. And when I say we really need you, we really need you. Over and out.